What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Single Polarity Experience, the best podcast since pizza was invented. The best things in, in since pizza was invented. As always, I'm your host, Sebastian Malden, and joining me today is an absolute rock star, an absolute mega star, because he has never been defeated in Mario Kart. He has he's the master of all things destiny. He is the wonderful individual that has conquered the latest Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is none other than Alec. <laughs> Alec, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. Thank you for that intro. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I told you I'm fired up today. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Alec, you know, like, it's i know you've been on the show several different times now but every time you're on it's a it's a vibe it's an energy and i'm i'm all here for it hey i'm happy to bring the vibe and the energy so <laughs> so alec man you doing well today yeah i'm doing pretty well you know i uh got to watch the or i've been catching up slowly on strange new worlds so it's been nice to be able to do that today as well as get some new job applications out there so you know fun times <laughs> yeah for sure for sure alec you know like before we get into all the video game stuff like you're there's a show that people have been recommending to me but like i'm not they're not they're kind of light into sci-fi whereas i know you're a sci-fi like buff at this point mm -hmm. like people have been recommending this show called the orville to me as a Star Trek person, is this like basically like off-brands like Star Trek or is this like an actual good show? So from the people that I've talked to who have watched it, that's what okay. they've said. Okay. Um, I have a friend who is a huge Trekkie. Uh, shout mm -hmm. out to Mike. He swears that the Orville is maybe some of the best Star Trek related content that is wow. out there right now. Um, so definitely give it a whirl. It's on my list. If I okay. could ever get through my backlog of TV shows, I'm going to eventually get there. But like, it is hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to watch it really everything. <laughs> it really is. So what? So what is? What's the top three shows on your backlog right now? So I, so about a month ago, I had started rewatching The Next Gen because okay. I hadn't watched. It's been probably five or six years since I've gone back through it. So that was on there. The Expanse is another one because I've heard such great things about it. Um, my girlfriend and I had started a couple episodes and again, just hit the backlog. And then uh, the new season of Futurama. So I've, oh, I've, yeah. seen, I've seen two episodes thus far. I don't know if any more have come out, but it's, it's definitely on the list of uh, what I need to, to work through. So as a guy who really enjoyed like Futurama back in its initial run and then like it's rerun after they <laughs> after they decide to bring it back. Do you feel like the first two episodes of this new like this new season like feels like the same embodiment of what the the old show is? Oh, 100 percent. OK, uh, it's it, yeah, it really hit the nostalgia factor. Um, and I love that they keep hammering how many times that they've been canceled. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. It, it's like classic Matt Groening. So it's mm -hmm. been it's been wonderful to to have Futurama back. <laughs> OK, OK. So I know like uh, most of the original cast is back, but I have to ask about my favorite character. Did they bring back Dr. Zoidberg? They did. Yeah. Dr. Zoidberg is here. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Zoidberg is probably my favorite like character in that era of like TV, basically. Oh yeah, I I quote Zoidberg on the daily, especially mm -hmm. when I complete any task. I'm like, hooray, I'm useful. You know? <laughs> <laughs> 
I love it. Absolutely love it. So, Alec, you know, it's always a joy to have you on the show. Let's get to a, a new topic of the show, and that's spicy takes. Let's get spicy real quick. Alec, okay. so in this in this like segment of the show, I'm going to ask you for a spicy take. It can be video game related. It can be all-encompassing on life. But this is a take that is... You know, some might consider it a hot take, so to speak. Do you do you have one for me, Alec? Do you need a moment to think about it? <laughs> I I have a spicy take, but I'm afraid to say. <laughs> I wonder what it is. Uh, I'm so curious. So my spicy take is that mm. gaming communities are at at the same time one of the best things <laughs> and also one of the absolute worst things on planet Earth. Like. They are this interesting dichotomy of people who find really cool things in games and they, you know, show you new builds or show you a bug that's hilarious. Or you come across things, but then you have the members of the community who want the game to absolutely burn to the ground and are, you know, grabbing their pitchforks and are trying to rile up the community as much as possible. And, and it's, uh, it, it's it's this it's so weird it's so weird to see both sides of the to see both sides of the aisle because it's like oh my god <laughs> it's that passion though you know like yes. it's you yes. know we we gravitate and we find something passionate about it. and i think yes. people express passion in so many different weird ways like, oh a hundred percent a hundred percent like uh i know that we're talking a little bit before this but yeah mm -hmm. like i was saying how destiny right now is in this really weird spot with the community where there are members of the community who are trying to defend devs and then you have other members of the community who think the devs are just the worst people that have ever existed and this the, the clashes that are happening are something to behold in comment sections uh, regardless of whether regardless of medium like even on their uh, their community posts it's just people just I, they are it's it's wyland <laughs> i bet it is i bet it is you know it's it, you know like um here's like i had an idea about this and, and like me and a couple of people were talking about this like concept what if like if we get to a future there's a game that comes out and like all of its new features or all of its new components like after the base game is out are basically voted on by the community like mm -hmm. by the committee of like community members and such like that or the community like they upvote like hey like we are going to nerf this character by like 20 percent like y'all for this and against this we'll leave this up for like two days and we'll see we'll come back to it if you vote yes that character's been nerfed well <laughs> how, what kind of what kind of world would we live in do you think it'd be more peaceful you think it'd be more pandemonium there it's really hard to say i think yeah. um like that's one of the beauties of indie developing right mm -hmm. is because you are sort of the sole developer of your product in a lot of cases especially outside of you know distribution companies then it because you are the the creator you can really have that connection with fans and fans can really influence those decisions that you're making because there's not all the red tape in between it but i mean there was a there's i think it's an interesting discussion because it's one of those things where especially in the destiny community yeah like i just don't think people it especially depending on the size of your audience it's impossible just to make everybody happy <laughs> yeah um, for sure like uh there's a big problem right now in destiny 2 pvp with uh, uh with titans specifically there's a subclass of titan called uh 
well, Arc Titan. And the Arc Titan is dominating the Crucible landscape so much that it's really pushed the other classes out. And so you have a very vocal part of the community who's saying, oh, they need to nerf this, and oh, they need to nerf that, and oh, they need to change this. And then you have members who are Titans who are like, well, this is, we're, we're good. We're good right now, so don't touch it. Like, leave it. Just let mm -hmm. us have our fun, and then maybe we can change it down the road. And the clashes that are happening over it, it it's just hilarious to sort of watch it all unfold all the time because the arguments are always the same. So, <laughs> like, That's right. I, yeah. And I like I think the voting is good for sort of the majority of the community, but you're always going to have outliers of people who are dissatisfied with one change or another. Yeah, that's it, it, you can't please everybody. It's just no. that simple fact, right? Yeah, yeah. It, and I think part of it, too, especially in games, nerfing is so hard to do. Um, I think you're it, it's such a dangerous line to walk because I think the only way that you can sort of successfully nerf things is bring everything up around it. Because um, when you have one item that's sort of dominating a meta, it just sort of ruins the experience for all of the other items. So when you then nerf that one item that people become really attached to, it then causes all kinds of issues. And so it's almost better to sort of lift everything up as opposed to nerfing. But then there's that whole discussion of, okay, well then what do you buff and how much do you buff it? And it's just, it's all chaos. It's all just <laughs> chaos. Yeah, that's, that's, I don't know. It's like, whatever you do, you just can't please everybody at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Like there's there's really no in between on it, <laughs> especially for like something that's living, breathing like Destiny too. Like oh um, yeah, so that that kind of brings me to an interesting question. Like, which community do you think is upset the most right now? Do you feel like it's Destiny too, or because you're a part of that community, or like do you feel like it's the the Diablo Four community? Like right oh, now? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh it's so hard to say. <laughs> I think. Overwatch but, too, they have a claim to fame. Oh my gosh, right yeah. Too. I, I think there are so many communities that have set up such high expectations. And now I should say, I don't want to defend certain decisions that have been made across all three communities. I think yeah. there are, I think there's there's wrongs on both sides of every aisle. Um, but yeah, it, it really is. There are a lot of communities right now who are not satisfied <laughs> with where <laughs> with where their favorite games are heading, which I get. Like it's, you know, you spend as much time and energy as you do into a game. And then of course, when changes are made to the system that you're used to, it's difficult to adjust to it, especially if you feel like those changes are unjust, so. So, do you feel like we're entering in a new era of live service games? Like, do you feel like the, like, are people being like tired? Are people getting saturated on that that market? Yes. What? Yeah, yeah. You think I, so? I, th I think we're reaching a point, and and I've I've had this discussion a lot with my friends in Destiny, is I think a lot of the outrage around Destiny is people have played Destiny now for nine years. Um, it's been a live service game since what twenty. I'm trying to remember when Destiny 2 came out. I think it was 2018. That's not 2017. Right. Yeah. So they've been dealing with a live service game in a seasonal model since then. Um, and, you know, you have seasons that deliver and you have seasons that don't deliver. And you have content that people really like that got vaulted. And you have content that people really didn't like that's still in the game. Um, and I think if you've played a game that long, uh, and especially have put in the hours that a lot of members of the community end up putting in, because it's one of those games where it's like, if you start playing it, you can't put it down. 
I think people are just sort of fed up with every aspect of it, whether it's PvP or PvE. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, the same goes for a lot of these live service games, is the longer these seasons seem to go on, the more people seem to keep playing it, the higher the expectations are. And I think it's hard for developers to raise those expectations. And then on top of it, you know, I think you can only play uh, the same kind of content for so long before you sort to expect something different, um, which is not really the what I think game devs want. I think yeah. they want to establish something that players know and something that they know how to create and have really tried to perfect in terms of a system. But then, you know, the communities want to grow and do something different. And I think it's hard for devs to be able to switch gears like that. So it's this really weird dichotomy of burnout and devs, I don't think, quite knowing what to do. So <laughs> so it's here's a here's a weird thing um, huh? I want to ask you is like, all these live service games seem like they like the community is like pitchforking they're up and they're up in arms right now but like fortnite's not having that problem like with their narrative or anything like that and i'm not i i don't play fortnite so i can't like speak personally to like i can't say the community's not 100 percent like mad about something or anything like that but it, like publicly at least it seems like no one is up in arms and, and yelling at, at the rooftop we need to shut this thing down at this point so yeah. i'm like why why is fortnite succeeding at, at least like from a community base like perspective whereas like these other ones are really struggling do you feel like it's the constant drip of content i think it's probably the constant drip of content but i think it's also cost so mm-hmm. in the case of destiny right you have a 60 dollars base game for what was the lightfall expansion and then you have the uh, seasonal pass and the dungeon pass and all of these passes that you're consistently buying plus all the vaulted content um so when you're purchasing all this content, like when you're ending up having to spend something like $180, $200 on this game, it, you start to be a bit more scrutinous with it. And, you know, every three months having to fork out what is now, I think, $15, but then Bungie's store isn't set up right. So you end up spending $20 for a $15 product, and it's just sort of a nightmare. Um, I think uh, I think it is cost. You know, I terms of Fortnite, the only thing that I think that you pay for in Fortnite is the cosmetics. Yeah, I think you're right. So, I mean, they have access to new seasons and new content. I know there's a seasonal pass model for them, but that seasonal model is based on, I think, cosmetics. I don't know if it determines access to the special characters. Like, I know you can grab Darth Vader and those kinds of things. Um, but yeah, since I think it is more cosmetic based and the base game is sort of free to play, I think most people are generally happy with it. I mean, you saw it with uh, Warzone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warzone went through their player drop off because they switched maps, which people didn't like. They switched whole systems for that. And then on top of it, they had a cheater issue. But I remember, I remember before that people loved it. Um, because that it gave them everything that they really wanted in terms of uh, a free-to-play game that didn't require you to have to spend the money as opposed to something like Diablo or Destiny or um, I don't know about Overwatch either but uh, yeah I think it's I think it's a cost a cost issue with expectations okay okay I, I can see that so here's a here's the thing I wanted to ask you based on all this information it's like like with we reaching an oversaturation point like does this make you worry for the like the future for all these like you know live service games because you do have like uh, like here let me list out some it's like 
you have the Suicide Squad, which kind of got it was supposed to come out this year. And like the reception upon the tra- like the trailer was so terrible that they moved into to next year. You had Skull and Bones, which was been in development hell for a very long time now. Oh, U- yeah. Ubisoft is like rescheduled that out for next year, but at this point, it feels like it's being sent out to die. And then like PlayStation, like we had like several different games, Knockout City, and all those te- all those type of games, just like unfortunately closed their doors and, and no longer working on those and then you have like playstation devoting 60 percent of like their upcoming like budget you know going towards live service models like mm-hmm. do those kind of feel like dead on arrival do you feel like that's a good initiative to have in this like landscape we're in right now i'm like i'm so confused <laughs> i personally think that the issue with a lot of these live service games is they're just getting pushed too early i think a lot of AAA developers are very quick to release games. And I don't think that is a fault of the developers as much as it is boardroom members. Um, but like Battlefield 2042 is like the perfect example Oof. of the set expectation was this is this Battlefield supposed to play like Battlefield 4 and it's going to be 128 player maps and everything's going to be wonderful. And I i bought the hype i've been a a long time battlefield player was really excited to play it and then i fire it up and it was far from anything that had been advertised i mean the environments were not detailed at all they were very lifeless there was very little cover it just felt like it was incomplete um and then in the course in the interviews that have come after that and the reports that have come after that was members of the development team at dice knew it was incomplete and had been pushing back against the board to you know get those dates extended but because of it you get what we had in battlefield 2042 (laughs) and i think it sort of feels that way with a lot of games that are coming out especially from AAA developers lately is you're getting even though we're getting games into our hands a lot quicker and that's been incredible at the same time they still probably need more work um Mm -hmm. And I think the expectation, especially from games like Grand Theft Auto or The Witcher or um, even Diablo, I think they've set the bar so high that when we are not finding games that are coming out with that content, like right off the bat, I think the, especially for the cost point that has gone up, I think a lot of consumers are just so dissatisfied, especially when then after you get, you pay, (laughs) in the case of what I did, I paid $100 for Battlefield 2042. And then you get the whole oh now come buy our season pass or oh now come buy this or come buy this cosmetic and you're just sitting there going what why fix this (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna give you more money yeah um and so i think that's that's sort of the problem with the live service games is that i think they're falling into the pit of uh, the sort of a multitude of reasons of burnout plus underwhelming results and i think there's like you've talked about really an oversaturation of a lot of game types i mean how many battle royales are on the market right now i'll tell you so, so many so many at this point <laughs> and and i definitely get the appeal like i i get the appeal of companies wanting to do that i mean they those games make good money but at the same time i think consumers are starting to get to a point where they're a little fed up with with where their money is going yeah and then um like 
you know to add on to this component like with everyone making oh like with all these companies making these live service games with this like the landscape kind of shifting underneath their feet as well it's like we're starting to see like single player games like have this big renaissance right now like yes zelda tears of the kingdom selling like crazy baldur's gate 3 is taking yes! over yes! everything right now it is amazing to see it's like Baldur's Gate, like a game, like a game that was put out during the summer where we thought it was going to be the quiet time before like Starfield came out is now like the biggest game in the world. It's like the rock star that just rose up and, and just put out this pop hit that everyone can't stop singing at this point. It is it's a game that like so many people probably myself included had never played Baldur's Gate 2 or Baldur's Gate 1. And this game is like life now like this we like this is like it's it's here it's like it's the it's the new king that was promised yeah. uh, so to speak it's it's so it's so cool at the same time to see all this like how do you feel about like all the this single player renaissance just swooping in whereas like uh, even amongst all the like uncertainty with like the the multiplayer's like landscape right now oh i love it i mean i am so i i grew up in the whole single player game mm-hmm focus i mean uh, whether it was the heck the original call of duties i know that they broke ground for multiplayer but the campaigns were so much fun yeah um so i grew up on those the original halo campaigns uh elder scrolls oblivion elder scrolls skyrim the original gta's like those original campaigns were absolutely everything and so to be coming back around to more of a single player focus game i think is really answering a lot of the things that people have wanted in the market I think a lot of people, as we've sort of just like noted, are a little fed up with multiplayer games yeah. at the moment. So to have something that is so strictly single player, so f- narratively focused um, has been awesome. Not to mention all of the reprises that are going on as well. I mean, we had, um, oh, what was it? Uh, oh, it's going to drive me nuts. We had... Did it come out this year? Resident Evil 4 was just recently Mm -hmm. reprised, and people just absolutely adored it. And again, it's a totally single-player focused game. Um, So to see that... Metro Prime as well. Yeah, Metro Prime as well. Mm -hmm. And so to see those games sort of shine again and to see really this focus on coming back to these really narratively focused, really like gameplay mechanic focus games without all of the multiplayer matchmaking and everything (laughs) else involved is really awesome yeah it's it man it's it's crazy like i i don't know if i'm if i'm a studio right now if i'm like i I, if i don't feel comfortable like staying the course at this point like i don't like no yeah it's like i don't know i'm like i might shit i'm like i might shift if i'm like one or two years into development i'm like can we can we make a lot of this concept into a single player experience at this point as or do we kind of like move move and sh- or keep doing what we've been doing at this like i i don't get it i, I really don't I, I think that's the hardest decision in the world right now yeah i think and i think a big part of it too is also ip focused yeah i mean you see it bethesda's taking a big risk right now yeah they have delayed fallout developments they've delayed uh, elder scrolls developments for something that is totally different and new um and so to sort of forsake the the fallout 76 route and then mm-hmm. go for a totally single player focused experience something like starfield is so exciting to see and so i'm i'm hoping that more companies are willing to take that risk that they're willing to sort of put down some of the more popular ips and go for something that's totally different from uh, everything that we're seeing right now 
I I don't think I in recent memory you can correct me you can maybe like give me a better example but I don't think in recent memory I can't remember any game having this much pressure on it than Starfield. Like Starfield feels like it has the weight of it feels like it has the weight of the Empire of Xbox on it like because of the the drought of their first party exclusive lineup and yeah. the fail like the I say what you will about like a, like Halo and everything like that. That game did not live up to expectations. Yes. And then Redfall happened and then like uh, outside of yeah <laughs> redfall happened and then outside of forza i'm like they haven't really had a big victory outside of that so yeah. i'm like so it's it's hard to think of a game that has been this highly publicized yeah outside of cyberpunk which again another game mm-hmm. that had its own issues but like it's really hard to th- or i know well zelda of course was yeah. another extremely highly publicized release as, as any zelda releases but yeah i can't uh, the, very much the weight of xbox's gaming platform is i think going to be very reliant on whether starfield can land or not and yeah that's gonna be <laughs> yeah that's what i was just like i if like that's so much pressure it feels like you just like like xbox put all the chips on the table at las vegas and just said let it roll baby and just (laughs) like let it roll please be a sign baby i i'm gonna make a prediction that might not age well but i i adore bethesda games Mm -hmm. i absolutely love them but what is well known amongst bethesda games is oh no buggy so I have a feeling that this is going to be a very polarizing release for a lot of folks. I think there's going to be a lot of people who are really happy with it, who are like, this is what I wanted out of a space exploration RPG, and this is amazing. And then you're going to have people who are not as familiar with the Bethesda IP who get on there and go, what am I playing? What am I, playing? <laughs> I, was, I remember talking to my brother once about... Um, there was uh with the original skyrim release for testing for internal testing they couldn't get skyrim to run so they had to they had to release it on its test mode because that was the only way it could run they could not run it in release mode and that's how skyrim released um so based on those things plus all of the fallout 76 plus elder scrolls oblivion plus the fallout 4 i'm like this is gonna it's gonna be a spicy release to say the least and i think i think overall at like at the end of the day kind of like cyberpunk despite the bugs it's gonna be an incredible game you're gonna get incredible narrative storytelling you're gonna get incredible gameplay but you're also gonna get a lot of bugs yeah i (laughs) I'm going to go the opposite for you. Like, I oh. think it's, yeah, I think it's going to be, like, you, I think it's going to be polarizing in the sense to where, like, I think every, I think it's going to be a polished experience because I don't think Xbox can afford a buggy mess right now. But yeah. I, do, yeah, I, I, so I, I think like that game's probably done now, except for like just polishing, polishing, polishing at this point. But yeah, I think that is going to, I think like this game is going to be pretty pristine i think that 30 frames per second thing is going to affect a lot of people because it's a shooter game for a lot of it and then i think like it being the fact that you can explore a thousand planets i feel like a lot of those planets are going to be lifeless and have nothing to do on them and i feel like that is really going to hamper 
a vast majority of people's experience with the game. Yeah, sort of the no man's sky thing. Yeah, setting exactly. Up the expectation, and then all of a sudden you have a dinosaur with little tiny legs, and you're like, "What on earth is that thing?" <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. I, it's gonna be really, really fascinating to see how this releases. Like, typically, I'm very quick to pre-order Bethesda games, but this one, I'm like, I, I have been burned so many times lately with pre-orders that I'm like, I'm just going to let it release maybe let it even sit for a year depending on how the reviews are and then come to it because it usually it seems like every game that drops nowadays especially from AAA developers unless it's good off the bat that it's like come back in a year <laughs> yeah. it's all polished up and fixed I think for the drama aspect like the, for both sides of the fence like the like for all the issues that you listed out with Bethesda's history and then my theory I'm like this is probably my most anticipated like game this year and i mm -hmm. adore spider-man i think spider-man like spider-man is probably like the most sebastian game there probably is <laughs> coming out this year it's just like the drama the tea the like the anticipation for how good or bad or everything in between starfield is going to be like and how yes. much is riding on it like i'm just a spectator at the casino like while xbox is shaking its hand right now with the dice <laughs> and i'm like oh my goodness are they gonna go oh they're gonna do it like oh like <laughs> I, I like that is how i feel right now like my like yeah i i think about it and i like get excited because i'm like oh, i need to know like it is uh it is almost like a game of thrones like cliffhanger level yes. of like of like oh snap if they fail at this it is it's it's not just halo infinite it is it feels like everything like oh this yeah feels like yeah like yeah. it feels like this is the generation on the line for xbox and oh for sure yeah for so sure. i'm like i that drama that level of of anticipation for me is it's gotten to a point that fever pitch like it's the bowling pot that is bowled over now i'm like i need to know how this is going to end like I, i'm yeah. in it now so oh, like, yeah starfield 100%. is starfield is my most anticipated game now i'm like oh i need to know <laughs> i need to know oh 100 percent. i mean xbox is in such a tough spot i mean you have everything nintendo does that just seems to turn to gold and then all of the exclusive sony releases like things like god of war which came out earlier oh. this year which again did not miss it, it, they are in a very tough spot especially after halo infinite even though i do have some gripes with that community as well <laughs> but, but it's it's interesting it's gonna be really interesting to see and i I really hope for everybody at Bethesda and Xbox that it lands because I personally, again, love their studio, love the work Dang. that they've done. Really excited and really hope that Starfield is that sci-fi experience that we all want of being able to explore an open world and have those narratives and have the cool combat things and design your own ship and bully the adoring fan. Like we always want those kinds of aspects, but yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a very spicy September. I like I know Game Pass is probably going to like and completely the servers for Game Pass they better like up those because like <laughs> they better like they better up those because like it is less than as of this recording so like this is we're August 10th when we're recording this right now it is going to be September 6th when Starfield officially releases and they better be ready because like the floodgates are going to be uh, like open for people who are interested oh, yeah. in this game to see if it's going to succeed fail for people who just want to play a good video game like that there's going to be like a wave of people like old school black friday 
kind of like people rushing oh, yeah. through the gates of those servers it's yeah i i i can't wait to see what what type of like drama ensues if this <laughs> if this because it has to be a game of the year contender it's like it's, yeah it has to be yeah any, anything less than that is considered like yeah like a misstep at this point a misfire yeah this is sort of the perfect storm of an enormous studio with high expectations an yeah. enormous platform with high expectations and if it is anything less than absolutely stellar yeah for sure yeah for xbox sure. fans are going to be burning down the gates <laughs> oh yeah they really are they really are they really are you know like and, and you know as like the other xbox studios have to be like waited on beta breath thinking to themselves like please don't let this fail because like then oh, that yeah. wait that wait like the the hope of the new saviors like switches on to fable like coming up and then like yeah. can fable be the the savior that was promised at that point and it's like yeah it's Starfield has so much riding on it. It's so interesting. Oh, yeah. And not only that, but especially for those other studios, if Starfield lands and lands well, then people are interested in whatever Microsoft has to sell. Yeah. So for those other studios, they need Starfield to succeed. Because like you said, like either the pressure falls on them or their sales are also going to tank because they're they're going to be somewhat reliant on whether Microsoft can deliver a good product or not. Because uh, if Microsoft can't, then it's, it's yeah, then Xbox <laughs> is going to be very dead in the water. Yeah, oh, this whole generation. And it's and that's sad. I, I, hope, I hope for their sake and also for mine, because I, I really want this game to be good. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And not only that, but like the one of the great hilarities of my time has been the the whole playstation versus xbox versus nintendo versus <laughs> you know pc debate and mm -hmm. it's and part of the enjoyment of that though is that you have so many different platforms that have so many different access to, to great items and so yeah you know having that competition is healthy but at the same time it's also really good to be able to be like hey you know what i want to go play a bethesda product or hey you know i want to go play spider-man and and have those those games be good because they're all trying to one-up each other in terms of uh where their games are and for us as consumers it's great <laughs> it really is it's magnificent yeah it's magnificent so you know i gotta ask you like I want to get to another the next topic of the show because we have a very interesting segment. It's something, nothing, or everything. I'm going to read out some, a couple of news stories. And you, Alec, are going to tell me if this is something worthwhile, if this is everything. Like, the whole existence of gaming is riding on this. Like, this is a very important story. Or, like, you know, this is nothing at all. Nothing of note. So, like, Baldur's Gate, you know, I, I want to start with, ba with, like, Baldur's Gate 3. This it's game, it, it's already everything. <laughs> it's already everything. <laughs> already everything that is that's so funny because i i i'm already with you like it feels like it's just everything at this point but yeah um yeah so Baldur's gate 3 had had a very interesting story um where basically it had it had like saves that were bigger than a lot of indie games out there like the save files were bigger than a lot of the indie <laughs> games completely had, like is that something nothing or everything like how how like how cool and also like i guess you could say intimidating that is for like a hard drive <laughs> yeah i would say that's def it's definitely something uh -huh. um like so to i've had this discussion a lot with people because they ask me why are games so big and typically games are so big because you have to so like if you develop a 
let's say you develop a first person shooter for an Xbox game, right? Mm -hmm. Xbox has such set hardware that you know exactly what you're getting. You know exactly how every Xbox, well, every Xbox, you know how every <laughs> Xbox is going to run for like the next five years. So when you develop a game, you're like, okay, cool. I'm going to use these textures. I'm going to have this many items in my environment. I'm going to have this lighting set up and that's going to dictate your frames per second. So typically, like, especially with something that's a PC game, that's why like Warzone is like 300 gigabytes because they're having to account for this large bandwidth of hardware across all of these different systems. So to hear that a save is like bigger than some indie games, is like, what? It's <laughs> crazy, isn't it? <laughs> like, I, I'd be curious to see what all the save data is about. I assume it's about, you know, uh, player interactions and the sort of the information that it needs to store but i know obviously that's what safe data is but i uh, yeah that's it's really something because i think it also highlights this this really big thing that my brother and i were talking about which is this 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 sort of shift in hardware um that's sort of occurring like i know everybody has to update their pc every three to five years and you need to have <laughs> a certain graphics card and yada 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 but i think again it sort of highlights how much space do you need for a game and how yeah. that affects your GPU and how that affects the whole price of your PC in general. Like if I buy a Steam Deck, how much space do, do I need on my Steam Deck for a Baldur's Gate save? So that's, yeah, I think that's definitely something and it's definitely something consumers should keep an eye on because yeah, that affects, it could potentially affect a lot. Yeah. Here, here, let me further the story and let me add a little little spice on top of all this. So I'm, I'm reading a report from The Gamer written by uh, Joshua Rubberson. And like he he wrote, according to the, the game's most recent hotfix, a lot of players in Baldur's Gate 3 were doing so much in their own adventures that their personal stories, databases were getting too big and causing all sorts of issues such as crashes and glitches. Obviously, Baldur's Gate 3 is a game full of personal choices, and the game takes into account all your decisions, even in the side quests and optional content. So all of you completionists out there were doing too much and cramming your databases so much that things needed fixing. It, uh, it also probably doesn't help that save scumming is quite popular thing to do in a choice-driven game titles such as this, which is the act of saving your game before a big decision in order to potentially reload your game if an outcome isn't what you want it to be. So like that's also like attributing to this. Interesting. Yeah, I, that that makes more sense now. So they're just mm -hmm. stacking saves on saves on saves <laughs> yeah. on saves on saves because you know you have the people out there who they make a decision and they're like no no and then they I can't leave the save and yeah. then they work through the three other things and they've saved on top of that save and they're you know fifty hours into the game and that's yeah okay that makes more sense but holy moly <laughs> <laughs> but still I'm like like. There's what, like, I think they said, what, like, close to 17,000 lines of dialogue in this game. And it is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It, and wow. like Every little decision, <laughs> like, matters. Like, if you kill someone later, like, that plays uh, early, that plays a factor. Like, all the side quests also inter integrate with, like, the main quest. Like, and they play a part in the main quest later. And whether it be a little part or a big part, or, like, everything matters in this game. It feels like Game of Thrones, like, but a video game. At it really point. is D&D. &D. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm like, this feels like 
in a weird way, you know, like everyone was praising uh, like Zelda Tears of the Kingdom's game mechanics and, and it was revolutionary. But like this feels like it's doing like the imp- like this is like ze- to the level of Zelda's impressiveness of like game like Zelda was game mechanics. But this is like storytelling and character progression and character like and, and character development. And it feels like they're like putting that same level of like development towards that those facets and almost balancing the scales a little bit like Mm -hmm. yeah it's weird it is it's a weird thing yeah it's it's really fun to see that though because it's to to have a game that's so focused on what it knows it wants to be is phenomenal um and that's what made zelda so incredible is they knew from day one what's going to make this fun is people playing with physics Mm -hmm. um and so they just built on top of okay if i were to play with physics what can i how can we make everything interact with each other so people can build their 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 mecha robots and stuff so (laughs) (laughs) it's great to see another another really focused okay we are a story driven game so let's go as big as we can in terms of uh being able to tell a story so that's phenomenal that's really cool it's like so you know before we move on to our next story like mm-hmm. do you feel like you're going to jump into Baldur's Gate 3 oh yeah oh oh for 100 percent. i know it's <laughs> it's on the list so not only that but it's got like a 97 percent on metacritic it which, beat tears of the kingdom man <laughs> like it which is- what it's, it's unbelievable that tears of the kingdom is is the, the second highest rated game this year so to see a game that's that's up there like that i mean that's this yeah that's really second to none like that's incredible i i didn't think this was like i didn't think this was possible this year like i thought if any game yeah. had a chance it was starfield just because like a western rpg based on all the things we said earlier like if it lived up to the highest of highs i thought it was like possible like that it would be like the those two going toe to toe but like is there a chance we might live in a world where Baldur's Gate 3's game of the year for 2023? I would love that so much. That would, <laughs> that would make me so happy to see that because that game, like the hype around it and the joy that it's given people is phenomenal. So to to see a and d style game be the be the number one game in the world i can i can live with that that's so cool (laughs) like what world are we living in though that this is a possibility that zelda game comes out a spider-man game game comes out like you got a a todd howard western rpg that comes out and like final fantasy 16 dropped this year a star wars (laughs) game dropped you know like a metroid game dropped and then like the game of the year might be a D game that would that's be insane yeah, it'd be insane. wonderful <laughs> i love it i absolutely love it like oh man that's that's so fascinating so i, I want to so moving on to the to the next thing is this something nothing or everything devolver digital had a showcase did you hear about this no i didn't okay so devolver digital had a showcase um a couple of days ago where it had what they called devolver delayed it's a cheeky take on game announcements where they basically had a showcase of games that they're delaying till next year (laughs) i love devolver digital but like included into that um was like the plucky squire which looks absolutely amazing um Free Lives Stick It to the Stick Man, Sam Egg's Skate Story, Free Lives Angerfoot, and the Air Etch Pepper Grinder are all being pushed to 2024. Okay. The showcase had a very cheery vibe that felt like it was reminiscent of Nintendo's Direct. Like, 
Is this something, nothing, or everything? I want to say that's everything. As, I love it. <laughs> as, as a developer, like, delays are never fun. Mm-hmm. Reporting delays are never fun. And as we highlighted earlier, your community will tell you about how it's not fun. So to see a company actually be so transparent and and almost make fun of themselves for the delay is wonderful. Like that, I really wish that was the approach to how these delays are occurring as opposed to nothing kind of cracks me up more than when a game gets delayed and you get on social media and it's like reading a funeral eulogy or something about we are so sorry you know this happened and then you know we made these expectations and it's not at the point that we wanted so like reading those suck so to see that instead that they're having fun with it that's wonderful i think that's that's phenomenal i wish i wish that was more of the approach because i think it gets the community behind it more as well Man, I, I like that. I I thought this was this was fun. It gave a good vibe. They they did confirm that they still have games coming out later this year. So I'm like, uh, if you have to delay a game like and break news to people, like this is a fun way of doing it. Yes, totally yeah. agree. Totally absolutely. Agree. So I want to move on to the next story here, and this is one that I I had to have you on for because Destiny Two has you know replaced the late great lance reddick with um keith david for everyone listening who don't know who doesn't know who keith david is phenomenal like actor especially vo- voice actor he's been the voice of um spawn before like um he's also was the arbiter in um halo like the halo series he played um let's see the president and rick and morty for all you rick and morty fans out there he's been in saints row he's been in like a mass effect as um david anderson and uh he was the black panther in the animated avengers show as well so i'm like he was mongol in young justice like this dude's been in the proud family he was the bad guy in the princess and the frog movie like for all you disney fans out there like this guy's been killing it like absolutely killing it he was my childhood basically is what i'm finding (laughs) out right here my whole damn childhood but um yeah he so he is replacing the like great lance reddick as the character and correct me if i'm wrong is it zavala yes zavala yeah okay okay is this something nothing or everything so it is definitely something okay it is it has been really tough uh, everybody who plays Destiny and who has played it, especially over the last nine years, I've only been a part of this community for a year now, uh, have dipped my toes into Destiny 1 recently and started playing through some of those campaigns. And Zavala is like the guy. He is he is the leader of the vanguard. He is the, the voice of wisdom. He is like the focus. And, and Lance Reddick very much embodied that. Like he his voice acting with Zavala was incredible, but like he also to a degree led the community. He was a Destiny player himself. He loved to talk to Destiny fans about his experiences recording, what it's like to be Zavala and all and everything surrounding it. And he's Zavala is such a beloved character that uh, I think a lot of folks were really struggling with how do we move forward? Like, do you kill off Zavala? Uh, there was a debate whether to just stick Zavala in his office because technically he has an <laughs> office in the tower and they're like, well, if we just stick him in the office, then we never lose him. Um, so to recast him with the incredible Keith David is, is I think, the right play. I think I think Bungie made the right call there. Um, I, I'm, I'm so happy that we get to continue to have Zavala continue on as a character 
um, and, uh, you know, losing Lance was really rough for the mm -hmm. community, but I think Keith is really going to fill that role well. So I'm really excited for Keith to be there. And I'm also really excited to still hear Lance in game because uh, I know that they're going to keep a lot of his voice lines in for stuff that he's already created. And I think they said that there might be a couple of his voice lines in next season. So I'm I'm really excited to uh, to see Zafala continue on, especially through another incredible actor. Okay, everyone, before we continue, I'd be remiss in saying that Keith David also voiced the one and only Goliath from Gargoyles. Yes. Like, yeah, I was about to say, probably the most, his most iconic roles of all time as Goliath. But um, yeah, like, so, so wonderful. But um, I want to ask you, so like Zavala, like the way you're describing him kind of reminds me of like, it, is he the Charles Xavier of, of like Destiny 2, basically? Of yes. the Destiny universe? He, okay. He is the stoic brilliant cool guy like he is the guy who is so cool under pressure and this this season in particular i know there are a lot of folks who had an issue with sort of the drip story mechanic beyond the point mm -hmm. the stories that were told this season the cutscenes that we got particularly between zavala and other characters i think was unbelievable in fact there's uh, i don't want to spoil anything for anybody in case anybody hasn't played it but there is an interaction in one of the story missions between saint 14 and zavala and saint uh is sort of he's another leader in the vanguard but he's seen as he's like he has a, a pvp content thing called trials of osiris that he runs but from a story standpoint he used to be the leader of the vanguard and there's this incredible exchange between the two of them um that sort of goes about that talks about the difficulties of leading, the difficulties of losing people under your command, and you know how do you go about sort of overcoming everything that's going on at the moment. And so, uh, yeah, Zavala really is sort of that that Professor X. He's the he's you know the the full leader of this group, and has sort of been the stable. I hold everything down, but at the same time, he's a freaking badass, and it's it's so cool to be able to to have such a, a transformative character like in the as sort of the lead of 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 everything about it and the community's respect for zavala has been unbelievable i know when lance passed a lot of people put on their salute emotes and went up to zavala and saluted for hours and just the the love the outpouring of love that people have for that character has been incredible to see i, I love that it sounds like you know like you know, this it's always tricky whenever you have like a cat, a real life person pass away who played a, a beloved character. Cause I'm like, this, you know, this whole situation kind of reminds me of the debate that happened when Chadwick Boseman passed away with, and with yeah. the Black Panther situation. Yeah. Like, should they recast him? Should they retire that that mantle of of, of like T'Challa and everything like that? And like they went the opposite direction to where they retired T'Challa's like the the whole mantle for for his character. But like it it's so interesting to see like how different how the response is for the other side of the foot to where like the to see the recast like recasting of that this character this beloved character a hundred percent i know i i might be biased too because one of my zavala is my favorite character to mm -hmm. to have him in the series and to have lance be one of the reasons i love zavala is because of lance i mean lance's work across all different kinds of mediums has been incredible to experience but uh yeah to 
one of my uh, one of the things I remember telling my friend before Lightfall dropped was, man, if they kill off Zavala, I would be so bummed. Oh <laughs> no! To, to, to lose Lance like that, yeah. like, like a couple months later, was like, oh come on, like <laughs> this That's sucks. Rough. <laughs> That's real rough. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's I'm I'm happy to see Zavala continue on, and I'm I'm happy to see Zavala continue on through uh, such a legendary actor as Keith David. I mean, I would be lying to you if I told you I did not adore the Arbiter. I mean, the Arbiter is such a fixture of my childhood, and and especially as I got older and started to understand the lore around Halo, and it not just being oh big bad space marine killing aliens, and actually understanding the Arbiter's story. I remember when I played Halo 2 and being disappointed that oh I have to go be the Covenant. I don't want to be the Covenant, and then growing up a little bit and understanding the entire backstory of everything the Arbiter's going through, it's like, oh my god, this is incredible. So I, to to play another Bungie product with Keith David in it is really, really exciting. So I, I yeah, wish him all the best in that role. No, oh, that's good, man. That's good. I hope I hope he's everything y'all want him to be, because like, I, you know, I'm, I'm so curious because like, he also played another beloved character in video games, and that was like his role in Horizon, the Horizon series, like for Ben West and Horizon Zero Dawn. And I'm like, I'm so curious on if like that that his role in that like game is also going to be recasted as Silas, but or, or whether or not they're actually going to just have the you know like find a way to write that character out of the story. So yeah, it's 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 definitely interesting, but I'm glad the. I, it seems like the reception from this online has been very positive for the Destiny community. So I'm, I'm very glad everyone's happy there. I got to ask you for this next um, story. We have a review roundup for a game called Atlas Fallen. Have you have you heard about this one? Oh, no, I don't think I've heard of Atlas Fallen. Okay. Atlas Fallen is like a, it's basically the newest RPG from Deck 13, which is like a company based in Germany. It's owned by Focus Entertainment. It is... Okay. It is an action RPG that was that is kind of like a mixture between like um it's sort of appeals to Devil May Cry fans. It's like ah. yeah, so it has it has some really cool vibes. Um, but it is let me see if I can I'm trying to figure out how I can describe this game. It's like I'd probably say it's very reminiscent of like Lords of the Fallen. Have you played that game before? No, I've played Lords of the Fallen either. Okay. So like it kind of has uh, some some like hack and slash elements, but it also kind of has like some some cool like um, magic magical elements. And kind of okay. to me, it it feels like if I'm looking at these characters, it sort of feels like a mythology like magical version of uh, almost destiny like the okay. way that these characters move around, Atlas Fallen and such like that. You um, so yeah, it it feels like kind of like a more mythological mythological uh, version of destiny so to speak mm -hmm. but like it feels like this it looks like it's a single player game more so than it is like a multiplayer game but i could be mistaken there um but anyways so the review roundup like it seems like this game is kind of just mid um it, it based on review, <laughs> just based on reviews it's getting like um, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> sure all this to say like scream rant gave it four out of five ign seven out of ten push square seven out of ten um rpg site right now six to six out of ten oof game sub gave it a two out of five it is so yeah so it, it seems like 
It, it, just to read a little bit from like uh, IG and review here, it, it, just a snippet. Atlas Fallen is a solid open world RPG with plenty of platforming and large monsters for you to fight. Putting aside its weak story and the console's version's gritty graphics, there's a hidden gem of excellent combat, robust exploration, and surprisingly deep customization to uncover in the sinking sands of its arid wilderness um games hub the one who gave it a two out of five basically said the first time you're given a chance to surf down a sand um, sand covered mountain atlas fallen is invigorating you immediately want to do it again and again if and you can anywhere there's sand you can surf slide and leap great distances while admiring the the stunning horizons a moment like that doesn't exist in the game's combat though when it's lackluster combat makes up the bulk of Atlas's Fallen's loop, it makes it a much harder to work up the motivation to continue exploring everything else the world has to offer. So kind of middle of the road there. Like, it seems like if you're into this game, you know, like maybe maybe wait for a sale or maybe just try it out. Maybe, you know, if you got big bucks to spend. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like even though the combat's a little, it's going to divide opinion a little bit i mean yeah it sounds like definitely a game that you'd want to pick up in a sale or just keep an eye on in general i mean if it's something i'm always of the opinion that if you're really interested in it you should just buy it anyways because at the end of yeah. the day you'll you'll know whether you like it or not um and you know depending if that's at full price or not uh, <laughs> but, yeah. but you know i mean yeah it sounds like i generally speaking it seems like to me that if a game is at least a six or a seven for most people then i would give it a play i that's okay. that's something that i would take a chance on especially because i come more from the initially from the GameSpot side of things where they were mm -hmm. once upon a time they were a little stingy with their ratings now they've sort of gotten a bit more liberal with giving people higher reviews um i think uh generally anytime that i came across a game that it was a six or a seven even though it wasn't perfect i generally enjoyed it so yeah that's something that i would give a play to okay okay that's uh, that's solid i you know i'm i'm right there with you try it try it out if you are interested in it if you like it hopefully you'll you'll love it but um yeah yeah so the on our next story um twisted metal revs up and breaks records on peacock the have you have you seen the twisted metal show at all i haven't seen it yet i had an interest in it though so it's doing well the most binged original series record like recorded on peacock basically right now. okay it's, yeah um i'm gonna be honest with you i've watched all 10 episodes of this show okay what'd you think i am surprised i'm gonna say this but i really enjoyed it okay <laughs> but, really no, that's <laughs> that's i cannot tell you how reassuring that is as mm -hmm. as a enormous fan of halo and then to get the tv show that we got which yeah to put it bluntly was so far off of expectations that it was maybe one of the most disappointing things I've ever seen in my entire life. Damn. So to to go from to go from that, I especially when it was announced, I was like, oh boy, like that's 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 a tough one. I really hope that they land that. So to hear that yeah. you're that you enjoyed it is reassuring. 
this okay so put it like this this is very popcorn flicky type of show like mm-hmm. don't go in this thinking you're gonna get like the bear succession ted lasso level of like of like cinematography here like you're not getting the masterpiece you're not getting like house of the dragon level like uh, of like storytelling here you're not getting but, like, oppenheimer <laughs> no for sure you're damn sure not getting oppenheimer <laughs> you're for sure not getting oppenheimer but um it's it's hard it's hard it's got heart you know it's got some yeah. heart like the characters really resonate with me it's like i it feels like if it feels like a goose goofy like twisted metal version of mad max in a way okay. that yeah, yeah so man. i'm like it's that- not it's not great but it's not like bad i it's the only show this year that i wanted to rewatch after i was done wow all right I, yeah so it, it right. was ju- it's it just got me in the right mood i guess my, the right mind yeah. frame i was just like it's fun. It's just fun TV at this point. It's it's like, I, I I'm a like a person who loves like heartfelt storylines or like really in depth storylines where everything matters. This is not that, but it is very much like they're trying, and that's more than I could say for a lot of video game stuff. Period. Like as far as like movie to TV adaptations and such like that. This is better. Hey, Halo. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly our resident evil the resident evil show as well. oh yeah yeah uh yeah i heard such bad things about it that i didn't even give it the time of day whereas opposed to halo i, I again halo was such a huge part of my <laughs> childhood so for that to have released and i think for those that haven't had a relation to halo it probably was enjoyable for them and that's yeah. great i'm happy that those people were able to enjoy it but it's like when you actually have an interest in the lore and Master Chief is taking off his helmet like every two seconds, you're like, and there's like, I think a grand total, someone put together one of those like warthog compilations mm-hmm. and you get like a warthog for a grand total of like five seconds over the yeah. 10 episodes. You're just like, no, no, this, no. this missed my, my expectation of what I wanted. But yeah, so to hear that, I'm happy that it sounds like it was fun. And that, yeah, that which is what you really wanted out of Twisted Metal. I, I remember playing it as a kid and not really. I know it has actually pretty deep lore. I had a friend who was telling me about the Twisted Metal lore the other mm-hmm. day, and I was like, holy crap, really? <laughs> but yeah. to, to hear everything else, I was like, so to hear that it's fun, I'm like, okay, I can, I can live with that. I can live with that. I'm going to be honest here. Like, we live in a world, like, I, I can't believe we live in this world, but like, this is my second favorite adaptation based on a video game this year and we got the and we got the last of us this year we got mario this year we got another resident evil type of show i'm like all these like the and gran turismo i think it's coming out like later this week or or something like that to (laughs) that nature it's like i never thought i thought this would be the worst out of all that batch and i i like this more than mario like and i actually enjoyed the mario movie but like i think this is better like but yeah, so okay. this is yeah, I, I I think if people if you're interested into into something that like has some heart, that has some character development, some really Anthony Mackie's really great in this, like um Oh yeah, he's great. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then like um I think Stephanie Batrice is also like one of the roles she played um um in Brooklyn Nine-Nine as well. So like mm-hmm. also really, really good. And then like, if you're a professional wrestling fan, Samoa Joe plays Sweet Tooth in this. So I'm like, yeah, it's it's got all sorts of craziness to it. But I, I, I really enjoy it. All right. I'll I have really to give it a watch. 
Yeah, uh, give it a two-episode watch. It's, it's <laughs> give it a two-episode watch. Because that first one, it might not hook you. But that, like, that second one, you maybe see if you like it. But okay. yeah, okay. It, that's an hour. That, so each each is like 23, roughly 23 minutes. So like, okay. Yeah. Okay. So. so it's like season one of, of, of Next Gen. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly how I'm going to recommend it. I'm like, don't do the one episode. Maybe the two. <laughs> maybe the two. <laughs> And if you don't like it after two episodes, it might not be for you. But yeah. I, I digress, everyone. Um, so I had a major question because we got an absolute rock star here and a Destiny fanatic. Is there a game out right now that can that can basically twist your arms off the off the grip that Destiny has on you? Basically, uh, Baldur's Gate has been. I have a friend who really wants to play it. Mm-hmm. My dad has been playing it, so it's on my list of games that I'm like, okay that's a game i need to purchase so baldur's gate is there uh the jedi survivor that came out that game is also there as well as there was a star trek game that came out uh two months ago by the same people who or was two months ago it's like a month or two ago uh by the same people who made the telltale games and it is a point and click adventure and that game i have been really meaning to double back around to so uh there are there are a couple of games that can do it it's just whether whether it will happen or not is uh, who knows who knows. <laughs> so is is the Star Trek game? Is it called Resurgence? Yes, that's the one. Resurgence, yeah. yeah, yeah. It looks good. I I wish I was like super huge into Star Trek because this actually looks good, and I like Telltale. Like I like everything that they do for the most part. Everything that I've heard from everybody who's played it so far, uh, I mean, they're all big Trekkies, but they've mm-hmm. loved it. So I that that was really encouraging to me, as opposed to Star Trek Online, which really splits people right down the middle on whether they love it or hate it. Yeah. So um, to hear that the general consensus is people loving it, I'm like, all right, I can get behind that. All right. Um, to give uh, give the people a taste of like. Your next appearance on the show i got a i got a question for you to stew on in the meme of like until we get to that point what is the ip besides like star trek that you would love to see in a high as a high budget video game oh so we're actually getting it which i'm really really excited, oh really which is the indiana jones i have been an <laughs> enormous indiana jones it is my favorite series i would be lying if i told you that it wasn't i'd be lying if i said that i like star trek better than indiana jones those original three so we'll take away the kingdom of the crystal skull and the dial of destiny even though even though i think both have their moments where they are really good in fact i will go as far as to say that i think kingdom of the crystal skull is actually a good movie if you overlook a couple Whoa. of different things yeah i know it's bad uh, i'm and drinking you, the, I'm drinking about, the that copium was, on that one that um, was your spicy take <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like that wasn't the one i will say aside from shia swinging on mm-hmm. vines and uh some other plot points that were generally i think the reason that movie's not good is because of mutt i think people really don't like mutt williams okay and they've they've tried to like the movie i've tried to really like the movie like there are definitely aspects of that movie i really like i really think the scene when they're in the area 51 cargo bay is phenomenal i think uh indies banter generally throughout the entire film is phenomenal it feels 
and this is what uh even though i think dial of destiny is a good movie it doesn't feel like an indiana jones movie and i think the reason it doesn't is because you don't have lucas and spielberg making it and for them indiana jones has always been a lucas and spielberg let's have a fun movie kind of vibe and that movie is like at the end of the day kingdom of the crystal skull despite its flaws is still a fun adventure and it's still full of all the things that make an indie film feel like an indie film even though it is a little bit ridiculous but yeah those those original three movies are like that 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 those are everything to me so to see that uh, and to have played things like um uh, uncharted God. yeah to play it uncharted or like the original indiana jones games that i grew up playing like um oh god what was it the emperor's tomb to have played those games as a kid and now to see that bethesda's making a full-on indiana jones ip and to hear that todd howard is such a huge indie fan makes me really 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 excited that hopefully that game lands like an uncharted that we can play through a whole adventure and do all the the classic indie things that uh he does in those films you know, it, the crazy thing is, like, I had a, I had a guess, like, um, a couple of episodes back where we did a major topic to where we talked about, like, based on Indiana Jones and the Dow of Destiny's, like, uh, box office, which, you know, has, it hasn't been great. Like, yeah, yeah. Do you, do, like, do you feel like they stay the course? And, like, if they're early on into the development cycle, do you feel like this game still is going to be produced? Or do you feel like you pivot at that point? And because, like, the is the, is the market still there is i guess is like is that I, what the movie's showing i really hope so i really 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 hope so but i think it's how they market it i think if if i think it's part of the reason i think dial of destiny does not sell is unfortunately and this is not a knock on harrison Mm-hmm. But Harrison is 80 years old and watching <laughs> it and watching an 80 year old indie run around on an adventure. I, I would be lying to you if I told you that before that movie came out, I thought it was appealing. Mm-hmm. And I would also be lying to you if I thought that the movie could potentially be good. Because just given how Kingdom of the Crystal Skull went down and given how people uh, seem to not necessarily be over the indie character, but I think it's so far removed from its original concept of sort of this swashbuckling hero going around doing indie things, mm-hmm. that I think that, that it's a really hard sell to a lot of audiences. But at the same time, I think if, if Bethesda comes out and makes a game where you have you know a young indie beating up Nazis on some ridiculous adventure for some idol or something, I think people can get behind it. I think it's just all going to be about what they're actually trying to do. Because, yeah, I think it's 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 a, it's a hard movie to make now. I think it's a hard movie to make given that Harrison is Indiana Jones. Yeah. And I think if you were to recast him, I think the reception would be incredibly poor. And I think it's, it's really hard. I think part of the appeal of what indiana jones is is the time piece that it takes place in and it's Mm -hmm. it's just everything about it i think is so unique that it's it's going to be hard to capture that that sort of lightning in a bottle that they managed to capture with those first three films so here here's here's like uh, a worry of mine with indiana jones like the game like it is it feels like a damned if you do damned if you don't situation to where you like like 
is this going to be Indiana Jones enough for the people who want this game? And then right. for the other side of the fence, like let's say like early generation like of of people and of the gamers, yeah. is that yeah. a known IP enough to where it's going to get them off of the stuff that they're playing and right. they want to check this out? And then there's the other fence, the other hard side of the fence where you have Sony who have created this blockbuster IP with Uncharted. Your game is going to naturally be compared to Tomb Raider and Uncharted. You have to deliver an experience that's not only to that level, but probably supersedes those because you are a not more notable IP that is yep. that transfigures just video games. Like at yep. that point, like I don't, I don't know if they can nail that. Do you? I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, it's gonna be, it's gonna be really hard. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting. Again, it brings us all back to that original discussion that we were having with Starfield. Is yeah. Are they gonna land it? And it's yeah. with Bethesda games, it's it's shoddy. So, <laughs> so let me ask you, like this is this is an interesting question. Like, as an Indiana Jones fan, uh, and with everything that like we just talked about with Indiana Jones, would you prefer that to be a smaller, like eight hour or less experience, or would you prefer like a actually big meaty game with that IP? Oh yeah, that's tough. <sighs> For me personally, given that it is Bethesda, I mm -hmm. kind of hope that it's sort of an open world. You go on an adventure and you do things kind of game. But at the same time, if it is sort of a more focused eight hour experience, I'm I'm very down with that as well. Um, as long as we get to sort of, you know, as long like my whole th the, the whole reason that I love Indiana Jones is kind of like how you were talking earlier about um, about Twisted Metal. They're just yeah. fun adventures. Like if you shut your brain off for just like two seconds and you just accept the fact that they're going to be chasing some item for the whole film and they're going to do ridiculous things and they're going to have those sort of like, where's your ticket kind of moments and they're punching people out of Zeppelins and, you know, they, they, if, they, if you're just sitting there enjoying the tropes, then it's going to be a fun adventure. And so That's as cool. long as as long as we get those moments in a game, I think regardless of whether it's an open world or whether more if it's more of a confined experience, then I think I would probably be satisfied with that, but I also know that I I will probably be biased. So <laughs> <laughs> So it's hard for me to say to be blatantly honest. And man, there's a Xbox is in such a weird, like a weird but interesting situation. Like, yeah, historically speaking, I don't think there's like ever been a company that's been like on the razor's edge like this with a whole bunch of IPs like I, that I've ever experienced in my in my lifetime. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yes, yeah. they're they're making bold decisions, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited that we're not getting sort of. We're not getting the MCU stuff. We're not getting yeah. sort of the same experience over and over and over again. That they're actually they're they're making some bold decisions, and whether those bold decisions work out for them is a totally different, <laughs> totally different <laughs> discussion. <laughs> so, Alex, I know I know this has been a longer episode, but I got you got enough energy for one last segment. Oh yeah, I got I got all the time in the world. <laughs> all right, so everyone, you know our next segment starts with a simple question and that question is are you ready because it is time for a pro nerd <laughs> trivia portion of the show where we asked our esteemed guests five questions i'd say five 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 questions based on five different categories randomly chosen by destiny Star so to speak Star you start tracking <laughs> 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 i like how he's already hoping for it 
So, Alec, are you ready? I am ready. I'm ready. All right. All right. If he gets all five questions, you already know if you heard the show, he will be entered into our Pro Nerd Hall of Fame. Right now, there's only one entry. I believe Alec is going to be the second. We, we shall see, though. Here we go. Our first category is a doozy. It is an absolute doozy. It is our le- second least answered category in all of uh, in all of our categories. It is Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. The okay. realm of Middle Earth. Okay. All right. So here we go. Who, which actor played Samwise Gamgee? Oh boy. Which actor? Played Samwise Gamgee in the Lord of the Rings movies. Sean Austin. You absolutely got it correct. Yes! <laughs> <You absolutely laughs> got it correct. I can see his face, and I'm like, I know who it is. What is his name? What is his name? <laughs> That's a hard one, man. That is a hard one. It's like, especially considering it's been some time removed from that franchise. Like, if, yeah. it's not like it's like those movies are out right now. That's that's a deep pull at this point. All right, so our next category is a is a category we don't get too often, but this is an interesting one. It is the realm of the magical world of Disney. Okay, okay. Of Disney, okay. So, here we go. What is the name of Andy's neighbor in Toy Story? What is the name of Andy's neighbor in Toy Story? I have no idea. Spoiler alert, everyone. If you remember Toy Story, this was the the neighbor that had all the weird toys. Oh, is it Sid? It is absolutely Sid. Okay, it is okay, absolutely okay. Sid. <laughs> I was yeah. like, who is Andy? I'm like, <laughs> where was that from? Yeah. Now I feel like an idiot because that's obvious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So he is two for two, everyone. He is two for two. He's doing really well. All right. So our next category is... <laughs> he said, is that Sid? I love it. I absolutely love it. All right. So our next category is in the realm of the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay. MCU. All right. So this is a fun, always a fun topic. We always get kind of crazy situations here. All right. Which character cut... Thanos's head off. Which character cut Thanos's head off? Spoiler oh, that... for anyone who hasn't watched this movie. <laughs> that was Thor. That he is was... absolutely yeah. the god of thunder, Thor. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Should have gone for the head, Thor. Yes, yes. All right, so that is three down. You you are on a roll here, right? Yeah, yeah. We're holding on. We're just we're yeah. hoping for Trek. For <laughs> <laughs> Trek. For track. Let's see if you actually get it. Uh, you did get Star, but not Trek. You okay. actually got Star Wars. Okay. Star Wars. I, I have not lived down the fact that I have missed this question last time because I yeah. said the T thirty eight, which was a Russian tank. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! All right. So, who in Star Wars killed Qui Gon Jinn? Oh, Darth Maul. Yes, he is four for four, everyone. He is so close. He is tasting glory right now. Mowing these questions down. I love it. Darth Maul. Ah. Might be one of the best parts of that movie, by the way. Oh, 100%. Not to mention Darth Maul uh, as a character. Mm -hmm. The things they did with him in Clone Wars and Rebels. So good. 
Oh my lord, they are just some of the best stories told in Star Wars. It's yeah. just absolutely impeccable. Outside like let me ask you a side question real quick. Yeah. Like um Rebels really good. I love Rebels. Did you watch um did you watch um dang, Endor? Andor? Yes. Oh god, yes. Love these Mandor. Oh yes. Yeah, I think I think Andor is maybe one of the best pieces of Star Wars we've ever we've ever gotten. Oh, I'm right I, there I, with you. I would take it over some of the movies. I think Andor is unbelievably good. What is your favorite Star Wars movie? So I am a sucker for A New Hope. I think okay. mm-hmm. it is, I know this is going to sound ridiculous. It is the most artsy of the Star Wars films. <laughs> um, but like when if you go back and watch it and just look at the set pieces that were created by Ralph McQuarrie, my jaw, my jaw just hits the floor. Like mm-hmm. um, I think one of the most brilliant visual, one of the most visually stunning scenes of all time is watching um, the Millennium Falcon go into the Death Star and just the the matte painting that is on that is just chef's kiss like every time I watch that film even though there are things throughout that film where I'm just like ooh <laughs> but, but, but there are there's just those moments where it's like I wish I could go back and experience it again that I could watch it from a clean slate and just take all of that in and get sucked into that that universe yeah, oh, man. Yeah, I I love I like a new hope, but it's not my favorite. I think my favorite is Rogue One now. Oh yeah, I love also Rogue great One. Call. Yeah, and it's that the scene at the end to me is like a historically great scene where Darth like you see Vader and I'm like oh, and it feels like a horror movie at that point. I'm like <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But like I'm I I feel like an asshole like in in real life because like I'm. Uh, like as soon as I see Vader, like I know I shouldn't be rooting for him, but I am at that point. Like when I see Vader, I'm like, get him, tear him down. <laughs> I'm like, I'm almost like Palpatine, strike him down. <laughs> <laughs> see, my favorite part of Rogue One is Krennic. Oh, all the so way good. through, he is so sarcastically great. Like mm-hmm. every line that he delivers, he is so ridiculously ambitious, and he's fighting. He's fighting with Tarkin the whole film, and just the little things that he says, like when he's talking to uh, Galen in the very beginning of the film, and he's telling Galen, or Galen's telling him, "Oh yeah, my wife passed," and blah blah blah. And mm-hmm. then Galen's wife comes running across the field, and he just goes. It's Lyra back from the dead. It's a miracle. <laughs> like, <laughs> like those those lines have have made him like one of my all time favorite Star Wars characters. It's so or, good. Or that scene where with he, when he's with Vader and Vader tells him, "Don't choke on your aspirations." Like, oh yes. I, <laughs> like, so I, good. I, I, like it's those things that I'm like, this is this is like top tier Star Wars right here. It is. It is. And I, I know, like, that's like, it's almost like a hot take that that's my favorite Star Wars movie. But, like, it's oh, like, with it. it has, oh man, such good acting, such good, like, drama. Like, you, it's like, you know, it's almost like a tragedy story, but, like, yeah. it, it plays like a hopeful, ambitious story at the same time. It's so, then the cameos, like, ah, oh, it makes yeah. me want to watch that damn movie today. <laughs> like, I'm, really, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I'm like, man, I just like, I need to fire up that microwave with some popcorn in it and just let it rip right now. It's so good. All right. So. All right. Here we go. The last and final question comes in the realm of action movies. Action movies. Yeah. 
action movies. Okay. So, all right, let's let's take a beat, everyone. This is for all the marbles. His question in the realm of action movies: The Matrix code in The Matrix came from the came from recipes from which kind of food? Let me read out the question again for everyone. The Matrix code in The Matrix came from recipes for which kind of food? Oh, man. That's brutal. This is a tough pull, everybody. So I'm going to keep reading out the question because this is the the Matrix code in The Matrix came from recipes for, for which kind of food? So basically, which type of food? Did the Matrix code in the Matrix come from? So is it a type of cuisine or a specific food? I guess I would call it cuisine and genre of food, I guess, okay. you know? Uh, I'm going to go with Japanese Asian food. Let me see. Let me see. A bit more specific than that. Okay bit more specific so uh, so i'm just i'm telling you it's a bit yeah. more specific than the japanese chinese like mexican or anything like that it is very much right. like a subsection of food but so i feel like this is a weirdly like weirdly worded question so i kind of feel like giving you another question in this genre by the way because i wouldn't be opposed i, I think I, I think we're gonna do that because i don't like the wording in this question but like i'm curious what was the answer it was sushi. Oh, that was actually my guess. That or oh, was it? Yeah, yeah I was so. like, that's crazy. That's like, why I was like, I want to say it's Japanese, but mm -hmm. I could be wrong. Yeah, so it is actually sushi. Okay, so yeah, we're going to go with another question here, but like that is that's so weird. Uh, like I didn't like the way that question was like worded, but here we go. Um, Let's see. Oof. All right, this is still this is still action. I'm just refreshing and giving <laughs> giving another. By the way, I was just like, it's not giving you a break on the category. It's just giving you like a break on that that particular question. Oh, I track. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Um, let's see. All right. Oof. Okay. What is the name of the fictional land where Frozen takes place? I don't know how this ended up in action movies. By oh. the way. Oh. Crap. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I sound crap. Oh, boy. <laughs> Arendale. It's absolutely correct. <laughs> he absolutely did it. We have a new how, entry. How into that's the Hall in of action Fame. movies? I don't know, but we I'll We have a new entry into the Hall of Fame, everyone. Alec has officially emerged as a new champion of champions, everyone. We have two, counted two entries into the our Pro Nerd Hall of Fame. Alex, Alec, congratulations on your on your new status as a a Hall of Famer at this point. <laughs> Hall of Famer. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so so I'm gonna refresh this really quick because I'm like I'm so curious on why this showed up as like I want to see what the yeah, next question would have been. Wild. Okay, so I don't get it because like the next question on this says which famous Pulp Fiction scene was filmed backwards? That seems like an action movie. Like Ooh. that seems like an yeah. action movie. Like question, by the way. Yeah. 
Um, so I'm like, I, you want to know the answer to that before I yeah, research actually, and do that again? I do want to know. Yeah. Okay. Mia's overdose scene was oh. like filmed backwards in Pulp Fiction. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Um, okay, so refreshing the question again. Um, the Matrix question, and then, okay. All right, so what? who did the cat in the classic movie The Godfather belong to? Was it Don Corleone? That's a very good guess. That is incorrect. No one. The cat was a stray. <laughs> the cat was a stray. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, but like those feel like action movie questions. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. are action movie questions. And then we got a frozen yeah. question. It's like, okay, so like what was the top grossing movie in tw- and and what was the top grossing action movie in 2014? That is an action movie question. 2014. Ooh. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what was it Avengers I- was 2011. Yeah, Avengers was um and here let me give you some choices here cuz the spice okay. is up. All right. So at A, you would have The Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 1. B, The Lego Movie. C, Captain America Winter Soldier. D, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Ooh. Yeah, that's rough. That is a rough one. You got two Marvel movies. You have a very good animated movie that you know animated movies sell like blockbusters and then you had like the at that time the hunger games were going kind of stronger around that time yeah i probably would actually maybe go with the i want to say that it's either the hunger games or the lego movie ironically (laughs) um i'm gonna say lego movie oh you would have been incorrect on that one like Guardians of the Galaxy, okay, did, like, okay, came out swinging. It was like the top grossing, yeah. not only action movie, but the top grossing overall movie in 2014. Okay, that's okay. interesting. Like, yeah, I, I love that movie. By the way, that's oh yeah, that fun. Guardians is phenomenal. So I'll take that. Yeah, I'm just so, curious what Star Trek question would I have gotten? Hold on, <laughs> like, hold on. Here, okay, I'm gonna forcibly go to the Star Trek ones here. All right. Here it goes, right here. All right. If it's not original, if it's original series, I'm screwed. But if it's the other things, I can I can pull it off. I think. Okay. This is a. I wouldn't know this answer if if someone gave me multiple choice. But like, which Deep Space Nine, which this Deep Space Nine crew member goes MIA during the course of the series? Which Deep oh. Space Nine crew member goes MIA during the MIA. course of the series? Which Deep Space Nine crew member goes MIA during the course of the series? Technically, Cisco goes MIA at the very end of the series. So I'm going to guess Cisco. That's what it says right here. Benjamin Cisco. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Benjamin Cisco. At the very at the very end of the series, he goes MIA for those that haven't seen it. No spoilers. But yeah. Captain Cisco is the main focus of the series, and the oh, series okay. ends on. It technically wraps everything up with every character except him. We we still to this day don't know what good old Cisco's up to. <laughs> all right, all right. So br- very briefly, what's the best starting point for Star Trek? Like, would you say 
for people to go like old school do you think like these new like the newer shows are a good jumping off point what's the best starting point for a newbie so i i am very biased towards 90s star trek so i would say the next generation is always probably the best place to start just given that probably from start to finish you get the most consistently good star trek okay with the new series though particularly with strange new worlds i think strange new worlds is the first star trek series that we've had in a while that really captures um the essence of what star trek is in terms of storytelling so strange if you want something modern strange new worlds is like perfect for that and then if you want something that's a bit more like this is like it it was really funny to because i started with next gen watched all the Mm -hmm. way through next gen because my dad used to watch the movies with us and we'd watch episodes with him so then for me to go watch all the way through it was a lot of fun and uh during covid i watched all of voyager i watched all of deep space nine and i started the original series so by the time i started the original series i had seen all of 90s trek um and the f- it was when I started rewatching Next Gen again that you see the similarity between the first season of, of Next Gen and the original series. And you can really feel Gene Roddenberry in the first season of Next Gen and how they're able to develop off of the things, the staples that Gene sort of set up and grow from there. So next gen season one is at times a little rough to watch because the i don't think they quite had the budget or the special effects options that they they had later in the series i don't think the technology was quite there either so there's times you're watching it and you're going what the what what is that like i remember there's one particular one of like some fish people and you're just looking (laughs) at this thing and you're like what the heck am i watching but like as a series it's phenomenal so Uh, next gen is great deep space nine is my favorite i think it is uh everybody i've talked to has always described it as star trek for adults it is like it it really delves into topics that are like serious i know there's uh in particular a big focus of deep space nine is uh, there's a war that breaks out in the third season the third or fourth season and because that's such a you know such a monumental focus there's a lot of discussion about gray area and ptsd and how people are sort of coping with everything that's going on around them and for me that that actually really helped me with things like anxiety so it was really it was it was such an important series for me to watch um that yeah i always recommend that if anybody is interested in star trek the first season of deep space nine is a little rough as with most (laughs) star trek things but like once you really start to get into the nitty-gritty of it there's a particular episode in i want to say it's season six of deep space nine called in the pale moonlight Mm -hmm. and that is maybe one of the greatest episodes of science fiction that has ever been told i mean i I get goosebumps just thinking about it now so yeah that sounds really cool (laughs) like that sounds like at that time like what the red wedding means to a lot of people now yes yeah, yes. that, that yes. sounds so there, dope. There was, because uh, in this particular episode, the war is not going well, and mm-hmm. the and the uh, Federation is losing, and so there is a 
there is a there is a line that is crossed and at the very end of the episode cisco he's doing this personal log and the whole episode is based off of him talking you through his logic for why he did this thing and why it was necessary for the whole galaxy to to succeed and why it had to be done and he's his conscious is just dropping out everywhere as he's talking about it should i have done this should i have not and at the mm -hmm. very end of it he's like no, I did the right thing. He's like, I, 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 if I was given the choice to break all the rules again and really cross that that moral red tape, would I do it again? Oh yeah, and then he deletes his his whole uh, his whole log, and it's like, oh, that's cool. It's an it's unbelievable storytelling. So ten out of ten recommend uh, watching Deep Space Nine. That is so cool. So uh, out of the retro stuff, like all the retro like Star Trek, would mm -hmm. you prefer all that stuff get remade with modern day technology? Or would you prefer it to have like the same with the exact same story and everything mm -hmm. like that? Or would you prefer mm -hmm. remade live action, same technology? Or would you prefer an animated version with the exact same story? Uh, probably the animated version. I think that'd be cool. I think um, Star Trek has always had such a deep history in animation. Uh, they had the original animated series, mm -hmm. which after the original series ended, you had the animated series, and they brought back all the original actors for it. And and at times it's cheesy, but it's it's really fun to watch. So I I, I would love to see a return to that classic Trek animation of uh, going on these adventures. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. Before we go, Alec, I got two final questions to ask you the first one is where can the good people find you so they can still find me at our our, our cygnus accounts even though those will be changing names soon so follow us keep following us uh we are working my brother and i are working on starting another company and we have another game in the works that we're really 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 excited to to be uh developing here soon i apologize for all of our our cygnus fans unfortunately we had something internally happen that we just couldn't control which eventually led to sort of the dissolving of our company but um we hope that we haven't lost you and we hope that we can give you a new game here really soon that is gonna hopefully defy the expectations of things that we've set up previously okay okay and then on my final question is mm -hmm. What is one meal you're looking forward to having, uh, like, uh, like that you're actually like salivating for? Like, what is <laughs> what is that one meal? Because I'm in a dinner type of mood right now. Like, yeah. yeah. So I my birthday is actually next weekend, what, what? and yeah. And for my birthday, uh, my family members were kind of like, "Well, what do you want to do? What do you want to do?" And from my house, there's a little Italian deli that's probably about ten minutes away, and they make one of the best sandwiches i've ever had in my entire life so we're all going to go there for lunch so i'm really excited to get my uh my roast beef and swiss uh italian sub so do you put any weird like toppings on this sub oh no 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 okay. so they they okay. it, they uh they go with sort of their setup of an of Italian sub. So it's got the balsamic, it's got okay. the, the the lettuce, tomato, onion. Like like I like simple. I'm like, yes, give me just mayo, <laughs> balsamic, lettuce, tomato, onion, Swiss cheese, and roast beef on good bread. I and mean, it really is second to none to have sort of a really good deli sandwich. I like that. I like that. So you're turning 21, you're gonna have this sandwich and you just really <laughs> And it's just good times from there. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I wish I was turning 21. Again. Oh, man, so do I. Level. Yeah, I wish I could have that level of energy again. But no. yeah, yeah. Back then, what was sleep at that point? Like, <laughs> what, what was sleep? I'm like, we were just game all night at that point. Like, oh, yeah. No, I felt it even on this last on this last Vegas trip, you know, mm-hmm. it was, you know, I everybody in my group was like, yeah, so we're going to do this club crawl that starts at 940. And I'm like, bedtime <laughs> that's bedtime 9 40 like, like i have a flight at f- that leaves at 6 a.m i gotta leave yeah. for the airport by like 4 30 i'm like where's the sleep <laughs> yeah exactly i was thinking like i might go to ihop with you around 9 40 you know like i'm like we can go to ihop maybe grab a drink or something and then go home like go to the hotel like chill that sort of thing yeah i'm, I'm like i'm too old for that no no Same no here. i'm like i gotta go to bed i need to sleep <laughs> I have to drive after I fly. I know. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. It's like they're they're talking bar crawls and stuff like that. You're like the only crawl I want to do is crawl my ass into bed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh. yeah, for sure, for sure. So everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode, the single player experience. It's been a fun one. You know, I really enjoyed this, Alec. Man, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. As always, it's such a pleasure to be on the show. So anytime you need me, just let me know. Oh, for sure. I guarantee, guarantee this is not, this is the first of many. Like, I, <laughs> I love having you on the show. So everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Single Player Experience. As always, you can catch this on all your favorite podcast platforms. Thank you for all your support. So that's a wrap for today's show. I want to give a special shout out and thank you to Alec Taub from Cygnus Studios for being on the show today. I also want to let you know about the Single Player Experience Discord server. It's the perfect place for single player gamers to talk about the good single player games they've been playing lately and to get video game recommendations. Think of it kind of like a book club for single player gamers. The link to join will be in the description. Once you're in, feel free to share your video game backlog list, talk about the good games you've been playing, or give your feedback on the show. If you have a game that you think should be recommended or that you think I should talk about, let me know in the Single Player Experience Discord server. I'll see you there. Before we go, I just want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Stay safe, stay gaming, and I hope to catch you in the next one. Peace!